Please be advised, nothing in this podcast should be taken as therapy, medical care, or mental health care advice. Topics discussed by the host and guests reflect their own personal experiences and are not intended to replace the services of medical or mental health professionals. And please know, if you are having any thoughts of self-harm or taking your own life, please call or text 988. Help is available 24-7. Welcome to Episode 5 of Season 3. We are moving right along into the new season, and I'm glad you're here. Hey, in today's episode, we are going to draw sort of this curious connection between me being a dog trainer 24-plus years ago, uh, the pandemic three years ago, and then being a coach today and how this all connects, which is, I suppose, kind of a curious way to start things off. But, well, let's get into it. I'm Rick Schwartz, life coach, public speaker, and all-around curious guy. My curiosity, my life, and the lives of the many people I have worked with have taught me time and time again that there are challenges to overcome and successes to celebrate. You're listening to We All Have Something, a podcast about the human experience, a podcast about celebrating our authentic self. So let's get started. As most of you probably know, and for anyone who doesn't, Majority of my education and background is actually in animal behavior, studying and working with them for several decades now, a wide variety of different species. And there was a chunk of time for about, oh, uh, three and a half years, maybe four, four and a half. I don't know. It was a while ago, early on in my career, I was working for a company that trained the dogs that guide blind people. And my role was to support those doing the main training at first. And then eventually I was in an apprentice role where I was able to work alongside and actually train the dogs as well with complete supervision from a master trainer. And then also work with the people who were getting the dogs, working with them together, the dog and the person as a team before sending them on their way. Really learned a lot about education and behavior, about people, about animals in that role. Interestingly enough, though, this topic right now today, what we're talking about, doesn't have a lot to do with the specifics of that job. It has to do with one little piece of that job. You have to understand that a lot of times people who receive dogs for guide work live in an environment where they can't keep the dog once the dog is physically to a point of needing to retire from the work. So it doesn't mean they don't care for the dog. doesn't mean they don't love the dog. In fact, there are times where they will either keep the dog then as a pet once it retires or a family member will keep it or a neighbor or friend. But there are times where that just can't happen. And the dog then has to come back to the training facility to be placed in an adoptive home. Sometimes these retired dogs are adopted by those who raised them when they were puppies 10, 11 years ago. Other times they are up for adoption and go to a list where there are people waiting to adopt a retired guide. But when the retired guide is there in the training facilities, they still need care and love and attention. There was one particular retired female Labrador that I was put in charge of taking care of along with the other dogs under my responsibility that were in training. She was just a lump. And I say that with all the affection you could possibly imagine for a lovely older retired Labrador. But honestly, she had that attitude about her that, look, I put in a bunch of miles over my years of working. I've done a good job and now I'm going to relax. But the reality is any physical living being, once they stop moving, things can degenerate. You can lose muscle, your joints can stiffen up, especially when you're older. It's no different for a dog. 
So part of my role in taking care of her until she was placed in a home was to get her out for walks twice a day, just casual walks around the training facilities, uh, which had beautiful forested areas and grassy areas. In fact, there was a big grassy area where I knew she enjoyed going and rolling and rubbing in the grass. She loved that part of it. But when I would show up to take her out for her walk, and she knew, I would assume, what we were doing, it was nearly impossible to convince her to leave the, the kennel where she was. She loved it. She had her bed in there. It was a warm area. She had her food, her water. She was happy as could be. She would lay there and look at me with this content look, wagging her tail like, hey, I see you, but I'm just going to stay here. And I would many times have to go in and physically get her leashed up and help hoist her out of the door, even though she could do it herself. And we would start moving and get out in the sun and you know, we'd go on the paths that were available and her, her step would pick up eventually. She'd, she'd get some pep going. And then as we got closer to the grassy area, she'd start to really kind of lean into it and start to pull a little bit like, okay, I know where I'm going now. And then she'd get out there and she'd roll and roll and roll and she'd get up and she'd almost, I wouldn't say act puppy-like, but she'd get playful. She, she knew that this was a joyful time in her life right now. <laughs> she was loving it. And we'd, we'd leave the grassy area and she'd have this little extra pep in her step, a wag in her tail, and she'd just be a happy little camper, you know? And then we'd head back towards the kennel because I had other work to do. And she would start to go like, well, I'm not sure I want to go in there. I'm, I'm going to go sniff over here. I want to go this way instead. And suddenly going back to the kennel that was very hard to get her out of was not something she wanted to do. So how does this then connect to the pandemic of a few years ago? Well, during the pandemic, I was working from home with my daughter doing school from home. She's in elementary school at the time. And well, there was big changes for all of us. And I don't, I don't have to tell you. I'm sure you remember. Uh, you were there. You, you probably experienced some changes yourself and all the stresses around that. And one of the things I recognized was because we were both working from home, we were, we were both, well, she was doing school from home and I was working from home. We were mere feet away from lunch. We were just a few feet away from the restroom. We were just you know, all within our small little house was everything we needed for the entire day. From the moment we got up to the moment we went to bed, we didn't really have to leave the house. And I started to consider that, well, normally we both are outside at some point, whether it's just even from car parking lot area to the building, whether it was school or office, sometimes we would walk to school she would have recess normally. She'd be outside breaking up the day, doing things more physical than just sitting in front of the computer all day and then sitting at lunch and then sitting in front of the computer and then, you know, hanging out doing homework. And that rolls into dinner time. that then rolls into everything else. So I proposed to her one day after school was officially over on the computer and I had some time in the afternoon then to take a break and said, hey, let's go out for a walk. Let's go out and get some fresh air. Let's go, you know, see what's going on in the neighborhood. And she was like, oh, okay, I guess. Didn't seem too excited about it. And we went out for about a mile and a half. And it was really interesting. I noticed I was a little bit winded. She was a little bit winded, just in that mile and a half, just from a couple of weeks of sitting and doing nothing. So then it really triggered my brain. Okay, we need to do this every day. Rain or shine, we need to get outside because normally our normal routine would have us outside more often. And this is too easy to fall into a routine of not moving our bodies and not getting outside. So when I told her that this is something we're going to do every day, she's like, okay, cool, I can do that. But after about a week or so, she was like, uh, do we have to? I don't, I'm not, I'd rather just stay home. You know, I, I, could, I could do this instead or that instead. And I will admit there were a couple of times where it was very easy for me to go, ah, let, maybe we'll skip it today because I had too many meetings, too much work to do. But then I realized just with my own knowledge for health that it's important to get out. We need this. Even if we're not feeling like it, we need to do it. 
And I'll say there were times where she was very slow to get her shoes on. She wasn't excited about going out. But then we would get back and we both felt different. And she even verbally, without me even asking, she verbally told me a couple times, you know, dad, I'm really glad we went out for this walk. It was fun. I feel better. I feel good. There were the other times where she said, you know, I honestly, dad, I didn't want to do this today. Didn't want to go for a walk. Didn't feel like it. But now that we did it, I feel real good. And so we would talk about that, that sometimes when we know we should do something that's good for us, that is something we need to accomplish for ourselves, even when we don't feel like doing it, sometimes we need to start the process and we realize it's actually, it's pretty cool. Now, fast forwarding to today, as a coach, as a podcaster, as someone who's very interested in animal behavior still, but also human behavior, I was reading this article about what we're talking about, about what this discussion is, behavior activation. So what is behavior activation? I think you can look back at what we've discussed so far and kind of see where we're going with this. Behavior activation in a very simplistic way simply means that whatever the behavior was, heading into it, acknowledging it beforehand, you didn't want to do it. You didn't want to do it. There wasn't motivation there. But the behavior activates then, oh, I do like this. Oh, this is fun. Oh, I am enjoying it. So we go back to the retired guide. She was more than content to stay in her kennel and, and, and not leave. And I had to physically help her get motivated to get out the door. But once she was out the door and we had started the process, and we were moving and, and visiting some of her favorite spots, suddenly she was really enjoying it. It was behavior activation. The behavior of getting out and in the space the, of things that she enjoys activated her to be like, oh, I am enjoying this. This is fun. I don't want it to stop. Then we fast forward to the pandemic and getting out and getting exercise and fresh air with my daughter. There were plenty of times where both of us did not want to do it, but I was like, ah, I know we should. And I pushed it. And then when we did, we really enjoyed it. Great conversations, you know, a mile and a half, great conversations. We would purposely take a little pad of paper and a pencil with us and we'd tally mark with different animals we'd see, with different birds and different lizards and different plants and flowers, whatever it may be. We started making a game out of it. And even then, when we gamified it a little bit with a pad of paper and a pencil, there were days where we're like, eh, well, let's just do it anyways. And there were times, too, where we'd be like, look, maybe we'll just do one lap around the block, you know, do a half mile instead. And if we feel like doing more, we can. And sure enough, you know, once you're out there, just like the dog in the grass, not wanting to go back to the kennel, right? So this behavior activation was working there for us as well. Now, as a coach, I talk about behavior activation with some of my clients as well. Now, I do want to put a big old asterisk on all of this. Behavior activation is something that clinical counselors and therapists will use, especially with uh, preteen and teenagers dealing with depression. I am not qualified to talk to you about that. I am not trying to tell you, look, this is how you're going to quell depression and get through the tough stuff. What I am saying, though, is I can look at behavior activation as it's discussed in counseling and therapy and psychology and go, okay, we could tweak and modify our behavior, not where we're in deep depression or we're in need of therapy or counseling, but when we're talking about achieving things in our life that we want to do that sometimes it's like, eh, I don't really feel like doing it. One of the big ones comes to kind of what we're talking about right now already, uh, similar to the retired guide and similar to you know getting out and doing exercise with my daughter during the pandemic. A lot of times as a coach, one of the first things I will tackle with a client is fitness. We talk about mental fitness and physical fitness. It's, it's not just about joining a gym and getting out and going for a run and doing push-ups. It's about how's your sleep? How's your quality of nutrition? 
What are you doing to move your body? How's your hydration during the day? What about your vitamins and minerals? What are your supplements like? Are you taking quality ones or just junk from from the grocery store? Where are you with that? All of that comes into your fitness. But one of the components of fitness is moving your body. And a lot of times we get home from a very busy day. We're hard at work. We don't want to go and do exercise. We're tired. So that's where I look at behavior activation. Some coaches who are real tough and hardcore, they'll be like, hey, cool, I'm glad you don't want to do it. Do it anyways. I had a coach that I knew that uh, worked with people for phys- in, in physical fitness. And when I was talking to him about trying to get better at running and understand what I can do for my body to, to do things with that, he asked me about it. He's like, well, how's your motivation? And I'm like, I'm really motivated. I want to go as often as possible. When, when work started back up, I had to go to Sundays only. But before work started back up and going into the office and everything, I was able to go multiple times a week. And so he said, good, I'm glad your motivation's strong. Keep it that way. Because a lot of times when people start doing things like this for the first time, the first few weeks, even the first month, they're super excited. It's new. It's fresh. And so they're motivated. But then there's going to be a day where, where you're probably going to wake up and you don't want to do this. And when my clients tell me, hey, you know, coach, I, I don't feel like going to the gym today or I don't feel like I'm not going to make the run today. His response, what he says, is like, well, I'm glad you don't want to do it, but you've got to do it anyways. He's, I don't care. Do it anyways. Show up and do it. And hey, that's great. If that if that aggressiveness and, and button pushing and that sort of, you know, drill sergeant attitude works for you, that's awesome. I know it doesn't work for everybody. So when I'm coaching, I talk about behavior activation in the sense of allowing you to move through that space of, Ugh, I don't feel like doing it right now, because I want you to be aware of how do you feel once you're halfway through? How do you feel once you're done? Let's focus on those little micro victories leading up to the completion of the behavior to activate you to get, at least start because you know once you have started the behavior, you started the action, then that motivation kicks in. Then that, oh, this is fun. Oh, I do enjoy this. Oh, I do feel better. Versus giving into going, well, I don't feel like doing it. And uh, Coach Rick said to honor my feelings. So I'm just going to sit at home and, and not go for my walk. Some of the challenges that can occur when implementing behavior modification is really looking at the big goal. Understanding like, hey, look, you know, great, Rick, thanks for uh, setting that goal for me to go for a walk, a run, a 10-minute jog, whatever it may be. But if I don't, if I don't do 10 minutes, you know, if I only get to five and I feel done, I'm, I'm a failure. I'm not going meet, to meet my goal and I'll feel worse. And if that's the case, you know, with behavior activation, if you get to that five-minute mark, let's say of a 10-minute walk, and you're like, man, I'm not, I'm just, nope, I'm done, and I failed, I can't even do 10 minutes. You have to reverse that conversation. It's not that you failed. It's not that you can't do it. Is that you did five minutes today, and that's five more minutes than you probably did the day before. That's five more minutes you accomplished than if you didn't do it at all. So sometimes, yes, behavior activation doesn't fully kick in. It doesn't completely just make everything better, but it's something worth trying. And if we feel ourselves mentally or emotionally pushing back on that concept, we need to look at why. What is it that I'm saying to myself? What's my internal voice saying to me? Where am I going with this? And then the other part of behavior activation that can sometimes have challenges is, of course, finding time to do these things that you know you should be doing, but you don't feel like doing. That is where we also step in and we go, okay, let's look at how your day is going. What is it? Let's be very clear and very honest with ourselves about how we're spending time. And maybe we find that there's a a half hour or 45 minutes lost in scrolling on the phone, looking at social media, whatever your social media platform is. Or maybe you're a news junkie and you love to watch the news and all of a sudden you lose an hour. Maybe you love reading books and that's your, that's your getaway. And sometimes you're like, well, I'll read a couple pages and all of a sudden three chapters later, 
that you know you, you've gotten lost in the book and the story is so good. And I get that and I can appreciate that completely, by the way. But when we see things like that occurring, we can go, okay, what if instead of scrolling for 45 minutes to get that dopamine hit on the phone, what if we cut that down to 30 minutes and set aside 15 for doing the thing we want to do? And I know, I know if you are a parent and you're working full time and your partner's working full time and the kids are doing, you know, extra things, or maybe you've got a baby who needs all the attention in the world, it can be very hard to carve out even 10 minutes for yourself. And again, that's where we start to look at, okay, where can we find this? Or maybe do we go, okay, we're currently in a season where we can't do that because of X, Y, and Z, but X, Y, and Z will wrap in June, July, whenever it might be. And so we can start looking at things in June and July we can do. Or maybe you live in an area where getting out for exercise is not realistic at all. Getting outside in the winter, not going to happen. It's sub-freezing temperatures out there, winds blowing, snowing. I will say this. I do know some people who are hardcore who've gone out there in that weather anyways to get their walking or their running. It's crazy, but it's true. But that's when we talk about, okay, what other things can we do? What can we find that will be a good substitute you can do indoors? There's a lot of options. And I know it's easy for us to fall into the the excuses and the reasons and the what-ifs and the but-I-can'ts and default to the lowest common denominator of what we can do for ourselves. But when we roll back into behavior activation, we start to see the way we can capitalize on how our body will react to the activity once we start doing it how we can at least take the first couple steps to get us going to activate that motivation, to activate that, okay, this is actually fun. I'm enjoying it. I can do this. A lot of that comes down to being mindful. A lot of that comes down to being intentional. And then, of course, it's like, well, if you already have found yourself in the habits and behaviors that have not allowed you to do this, is this something you can do on your own? And some people can. A lot of people do. Or do you need an accountability partner? Do you need a coach? Do you need a way to make sure that in that lowest moment, you're like, yeah, I'm going to stay in bed instead of getting up 15 minutes early. Can you find a way to get that accountability to motivate yourself to do those next steps? And if not, that's when you start talking to a coach or a counselor or a therapist to see what it is that's blocking you and preventing you and build a plan, build a path towards getting that behavior activated so you can do it. And that wraps up this episode of We All Have Something. I hope there's something in there for you. I hope there's something you take away from these episodes, even if it's just food for thought, whether it's something you can directly apply to your own life or it just maybe ponder and think about, hmm, if for any reason, any of this content is something you're like, you know, I know my cousin should listen to this. I know my brother could use this or whomever, a friend in your life. Please do not be shy about sharing. One of the best ways to grow this podcast and make a difference in the world is to share this content out there. I always refer to that as the ripple effect. As a coach, I believe if I help one person and it improves their life the way they move through life and can help others and improve others as well, it's a ripple effect we don't see. And I don't need to see it. I know it's there. I know it exists. So feel free to be a part of that ripple. Share this content. Share this podcast. Talk to others about it. And of course, I'm going to ask, you know, please be sure to subscribe. I don't want you to miss the next episode. We got several back-to-back ones coming out here at the beginning of season three. And then we're going to jump into every Wednesday dropping a new episode. We'll have some new guests on this season as well. Maybe even hear from some guests we had last season. Of course, you can always find me on my website, CoachRickSchwartz.com. You can find links to my social media there as well. Most active right now on Instagram and Facebook, but there's also a YouTube account. There's Twitter. Uh, there's TikTok even, although I, I will admit I haven't posted there in a while. 
And hey, while you're on my website, if you are interested in talking to me further about coaching, whether it's behavior activation, whether it's action steps, whether it's goal setting, finding balance in the seven key areas of life, which is your fitness, your finance, your family, your field, faith, friends, and fun, because honestly, it's not just a work-life balance, people. You can hit me up on my website for a discovery call, free 30-minute Zoom between you and I. We talk about what's going on in your life. We talk about what kind of coaching I do, and you and I have to decide together if we feel this is a good fit. If we do both agree it's a good fit, we'll talk further than about what coaching looks like and what our next steps are. If we decide it's not a good fit, no worries. I enjoy a good 30-minute conversation with somebody talking about life. It's always fun and interesting. But yeah, go check it out. You go to the website. There's testimonials there, all sorts of fun stuff. Again, that's coachrickschwartz.com. And all the links I've mentioned are down in the show notes below this episode. You can click on those, find a way there. Thanks again for listening. As you know, I really appreciate it. Have a good one, everybody. 